Um, I, I wanted to um, just give you an opportunity to, um, if you want to connect with me, there's a couple, couple ways you can do that. Um, we have a website. It's important number with the number two god.com important to god.com um, and my email is h e i s h e y h e i s h e y at gmail.com and be happy to um, co- correspond with you help you in any way that that I can um the questions are great because that's really the direction that we're, we're looking to go um, in the next few minutes that we have together. And I want to I stop in, in enough time. So, um, so, Sean, make sure that, like, it, with 15 minutes late, you're giving me the high sign. And then, and then stand up on the chair if it gets to 10 minutes left, okay? <laughs> so um, so we, we want to have some interaction at the end of, uh, of the time we have together. But I want to address the need for leaders. I think we... Probably that's a, uh, an obvious thing. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the mission of leaders. Um, what 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 do leaders do? What do you want? If you, if you get this great group of people, you can fill every spot. What are they going to do? Um, how to identify potential leaders? Um, how to recruit leaders? And um, how to develop leaders? And obviously, that's a lot to cover in a few minutes. But I'm hoping I have given you a few tools. If the tools don't make any difference to you, um, they're at least bright enough to keep you awake. Just look at them when you start to nod, and uh, that should wake you back up for the conversation. But, um, so I want to talk a little bit about, about the mission uh, of leaders. And as, as I'm doing that, is everybody am I loud enough? Am I projecting loud enough? Um, as we're doing that, I want to um, talk about the, the urgency or the motivation behind uh, the need for leaders. And I think in a general way, most of us understand that there's always a need for more leaders. Um, Most of us don't have enough leaders for where we're at. But if we want to grow to the next level, whatever that next level is, immediately the urgency is that we don't have enough leaders to, um, to grow the church, to do the ministry, to push the kingdom of God forward. And so... Um, I really think that when you're talking about motivating people, it's important to recognize that, that God's heart is about that. He wants to equip His church, give the church leadership. And so uh, many times I remind myself that um, as I'm praying, that the Lord's praying too. My high priest is praying. And if it's entered into my mind that I need more leaders, He's already been asking the Father for me. And so I try to get um, in line with Him and hear His heart. And uh, that keeps that urgency going. Because I know, I know if it's important enough for my Savior to be praying about that and to be interceding for me and to be looking to, to, for that urgency, then I know that it's a motivation uh, for me and that if, if, if it's on His heart, He's going to provide it. He's going to help me if I'll listen. So there's hope. If Jesus is praying for something, there's hope, right? Amen. So there's hope there. And, and really, the, the mission... Uh, focuses around, and give just a brief little bit of theology, but the mission focuses around the great commandment, the great commission, um, and then Ephesians 4. So we know that if, if we're looking at what's the mission of leadership, the mission of leadership is to follow after the heart of God. Jesus said, I'm only going to 
do what I see the Father do, and I'm only saying what I hear the Father say. And if that was good enough for Jesus, I think that's good enough for us. And, and, and Jesus gives us um, some parameters that, that I think are, are missional statements for the church, and that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, you find that in Matthew and in Mark. Um, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, the Great Commission, the last thing he said before he ascended into heaven, the end of Matthew, is that, um, that, that we would make disciples in every nation, to go into all the world and make disciples. Um, and so what I try to do is, is, is I'm looking through the eyes of that mis- those missional statements, is I'm asking myself, um, what, what should a leader do? A leader should be facilitating the mission of Christ. So let me break that down a bit. What's, what's a leader's job? My ultimate job as a leader and then those that I'm recruiting need to help facilitate connections with God. They need, people need to be loving the Lord your, their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They need to be coming into healthy relationships, loving their neighbors themselves. How many of you would like to have good, healthy relationships in your church? So does Jesus. That's what Jesus, Jesus knows it's built. The foundation of, of ministry is built on those relationships. So, so that's another missional goal, another mission, uh, a direction that we're, we're aiming at. We're also aiming at making disciples. Um, we're raising up, discipling people, and completing that discipleship process by helping people become disciple-makers. Um, and that's the heartbeat of God. So, so what are leaders going to do? What do I have to do as a leader? I have to facilitate the making of disciples and the training and developing of people so they can make disciples. And then lastly, um, the outreach evangelism going to all the world. Um, we, we have to be able to connect people who are outside the family of God with the bride of Christ. Bring them to Christ. Bring that connection so people become saved. So, so in a and you know this, but, but in a nutshell, I think it's really important. Sometimes if we're looking at the development of leaders, we're trying to expand our team, if we, if we start bringing them together and we're not sure what to do with them or why we're doing it, um, you can get the air out of the bag really quickly. Um, they will, uh, you know, you talk about motivation and consistency. A lot of times motivation and consistency are based on their observation of how important this is. And, and if, it's, if it's what Jesus died to do, it's important. And so I use the, the urgency and I use the mission of Christ to kind of give that urgency and that motivation. You need to help us do this because this is the kingdom. This is expanding the kingdom of God. Um, and then in Ephesians 4, um, Paul gives us a bit of an insight into... Um, what the, the ministry role gifts are uh, by which the mission's carried out. And he's given us apostles, prophets, and pastors, and teachers, and evangelists. And um, so leaders, leaders um, have to facilitate those ministry roles. Um, and it would really be awesome in a, in a church if you had folks that were champions of each of those ministry roles uh, in your church, because wouldn't it be awesome to have a, an outreach champion, an evangelist with great gifts, not only to have great gifts for evangelism, but they could develop evangelists? That would be a blessing to the Assemblies of God, wouldn't it? Um, just to, to see that 
um, multiply and grow. And so, so I think those three passages of Scripture, um, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, Ephesians 4, which I always say is, is my job description. That's when, when people say, what are you doing, Brent? You know, I mean, you're only working on Sunday. What are you doing? Well, my, my job isn't to do ministry, although I do ministry. Ultimately, my job is to equip people for the ministry. And I equip them through the role of apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. That's, that's how I do that. And, uh, and, and I think my job as a lead pastor then is to gather people around me in teams to help accomplish that through those roles to accomplish the mission of Christ. So I, I, think, I think that's a basic foundation for um, urgency, for motivation, for, for what we're aiming at. Um, as I did a, a biblical study and a, and a survey through the Old Testament and the New Testament, if I get this to wake up here... Um, There's some, I think, some very significant things that come to the surface when we're looking at what leaders do and what leaders are like. Um, what's the characteristics of leaders in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Um, and I'm almost there. I, I found that Leaders must fulfill the mission of Christ and empower others to do the same. I found that leaders must be commissioned by God um, for a specific task. So I think it's critical that, that we, we know what, what that task is. Um, leaders need a conversational relationship with God. Um, if you go to this, the account of Moses... Um, being called into the ministry and Moses' ongoing relationship with God, uh, if, if you don't think God's a God of details and is not a communicator, read how much information he gave Moses. Not to mention, um, if you start talking about the description of how to build the tabernacle and the temple, um, the temple for David, all that information... God is a detailed God, so I think it's important that leaders can hear from God, have a conversational relationship with God. Um, leaders need to have confidence that with commission comes provision. I think sometimes um, we're, we're concerned, leaders need to have confidence that with the commission, with the job, comes the provision to do it. So if God's called you, to raise up leaders in your church, then there's provision for that. Um, also, leaders must be prepared um, to be transformational agents. And uh, we see in the New Testament that that transformation came um, as they participate in the supernatural, as they proclaim the kingdom of heaven, heal the sick, uh, and drive out devils. We also see that leaders need to be mentors and disciple makers. Okay? So, before we go to the nuts and bolts of what it looks like to put leaders together in teams and to recruit them and identify them and, and develop them, um, 
this, this will help, especially in the identification process. I ask the question, as I look through the story of Moses, why does God choose Moses? And I tried to go through the biblical account, and, and as, as I was looking through that, why would, why would God choose Moses? Because you need to ask, <laughs> when you're choosing that next person, uh, is why do I need to choose them? And it would be a really good help to have a conversation with God with that. Is, is what's going on here? God, I need some revelation. So here were, here were things Moses could hear from God. It's going to be really difficult if you're looking for a key leader to lead other people if they, if they don't hear from God. So, so they need to be able to hear from God or at least have the potential to hear from God. And, and you, you train them to hear from God clearly. Um, Moses is willing to be led by God and he won't lead unless God goes with him. So Moses expresses a dependency upon God. Here's a huge one for you. Moses is teachable. The guys that you're looking for, the gals you're looking for, you know, if they're not teachable, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Um, not only was uh, Moses teachable, but he was a teacher. And he had a protege named Joshua. How many of you believe Joshua was a good protege? Yeah. So he was, a, he was, he w- he was, he was someone who not only could, could follow God, uh, he could teach others to follow God. He was able to pass on what he learned very well. Um, we certainly know that Moses had the heart of a disciple-maker, and Joshua's success is a tribute to his mentor Moses. And it says, and I love this, this is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, and Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that, that, um, that lived uh, through Joshua's lifetime and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. That statement is only made in, in that part of the Old Testament. So, um, and I think lastly, um, God chose Moses because he embodies the type of person that God desires Israel to become. Think about that a minute. He, he embodies the type of person um, that he wants Israel to become. So your leaders need to be a person, first of all, that folks trust enough to follow. But what are they going to? What are those followers going to be if they follow that person? See what I'm saying? So, so you want you want them to be what God wants the church to be, okay? All right. So let's talk a bit about a process um, for identifying potential leaders. Um, certainly, and if you'll look at your um, handouts, if you'll look with the one with the railroad and the circle. We're going to look at the circle first. If you have that in front of you. And we're, we're beginning with the, the, the part there, ask God. I think, I think the first step is that if you're in a crisis and you need leaders, sometimes you just take whatever you can get. I'm saying don't do that. I'm saying you're going to have two crises or three crises. I'm saying start with God. Ask God. Ask God. I know that sounds simple, but I'm just telling you, I'm a pastor. I hang out with pastors. I hang out with a lot of people. I'm just telling you, a lot of people don't do this. 
They get they get in a rush, and 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 it's important to say, okay, okay, God, who? Who are you looking at? Ask God. Ask God. Listen. As 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 you ask Him, then then listen. Um, I think it's I think it's appropriate to to say I've got ten people kind of on my my list here that may be potential leaders. God, what do you think about these ten people? And then in prayer, let God get a highlighter from heaven and say, you know, that's green. That one's red. Don't go there. Um, you know, ask God. Listen to what God tells you about those people. Okay. Um, I think the next the next step there is then to begin to listen to people. Listen to their stories. Is is there anything about their story that you can sense and feel the activity of God there? Some people, the activity of desperation. How many of you know? It, you know, it seems like if 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 you are a complete total wreck in relationships, you want to go into counseling. You know. Anybody ever have that issue? And sorry for those people who are counselors. I'm not picking on you because it's the same thing with pastors. Is that, you know, um, you're looking, but but that's not that's not necessarily the sign that that's what they're supposed to do. Um, but you're looking for the activity of God. You're listening to their story. Is there evidence that God's moving in their life? Okay, um, and then and then observe what what people say. And what people do sometimes aren't the same thing. Sometimes people say, I could never be a leader, and you're watching them and you're going, wow, I, I see some things they don't see. And it's, it's, it can be negative too. I want to be a leader. And then you begin to watch them and you're going, wow, <laughs> I can see some problems there. Okay? Um, and, then, and then begin to reflect on that again in prayer and say, okay, God, um, what, what do you think? So I'm trying to give you a practical idea. Maybe you have ten names on a sheet of paper um, and you've walked through this process and you have three or four people now that you think might work. Is, is, is this too difficult? Is that, is that working for you? And see how that's going to go? Okay. So you've got three or four people. Now, what does it look like? I'll tell you what you don't want to do is say, we don't have anybody to change diapers in the nursery. We need help. And say that on a Sunday morning in between worship and the offering. Okay? Probably, probably not what you want to do. But I, I think what you want to do is I think, and this needs to be genuine, you need to begin to pray. And as you're praying and God says, yeah, you know what, that's a, that's a potential leader there. You need to have a one-on-one conversation and say, you know, Mark Hanninger, I've been watching you, son. And I've been praying, and you, you know, you may think I've lost my brains, all right? But it just seems to me in prayer that God keeps bringing me back um, in your, your, your life and, and the way you live and serve God has been brought before me. And I don't know what it looks like yet, but I really think that God has his hand on you to do something. And whatever that is that, that God would tell you. And say, and I, I want to I offer, I want to make a deal with you, okay? I want to help you. Find what God wants you to do and, and what He wants you to become. And I want, you, I want to be able to help you. I'll, I'll walk with you through this process. Become the man of God God's called you to be. Um, and, and in return, I want you to help me grow this church. So a conversation like that, 
um, giving them an out, not to say, Mark, dude, God told me you need to help me. <laughs> and then silence. Give them, give them, give them grace enough to, to say, you know, you are crazy, man. You know, I don't know what you heard. I <laughs> give them an out. Let them, let them say no to you if they want to. And, and if he does say, Heishman, you're crazy. I say, you know, I'm kind of, this is new to me. I'm trying to hear the whole God thing. I was in this class at Synergy and I did the wheel and it didn't work. <laughs> so, so maybe I'll get it right next time. It's okay. Just, just, just delete that. All right. And move on. Move on. Um, and sometimes um, they'll say no and you know they're going to say yes. You just know that. And so that might be kind of a, a process that you've got to come back to a few more times and begin to pray. But that, that's a simple and a, and, a, and a powerful way. Now notice a couple of things about that. It's, it's personal and it's in the context of relationships. I don't want leaders who aren't in relationship with me. That may be okay for you, but I, that's just the way I choose to live my life. I don't want leaders on my bus that aren't in relationship with me. Okay? And so I really, I really want to be able to have that process. So, so the next thing, and how am I doing for time there, Sean? Okay, and what time are we through? 12.15. Okay. Thank you. So, so let's, let's say I come to Lloyd, and Lloyd's like, you know, my wife and I were just praying, and Cindy said, I just feel like Pastor's about to ask you a crazy question. And so he's like, da-da, God moment, you know. God's talking to me, God's talking to his wife, God's talking to Lloyd, and, and, and what, where do we go next now, okay? Sometimes in that process, it's a little fuzzy. I don't know what Lloyd is going to do yet. I'm just glad I got a yes. Just glad there's somebody in my church that said yes to me. don't know what he can do. I don't know, you know. You know, I remember the story that the Ellis's told us when they went to Mongolia that they were going to be pig farmers. I thought, my gosh, that is so random. How do you start with pig farming? And, and, and I know Lloyd's not a pig farmer, but there's got to be something that God wants to do if the activity of God's there. And so what I'm going to ask him is, is I'm going to say, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's make, a, let's make a, a, a time that you and I can get together is I want to talk to you about um, a mentoring relationship and I want to talk to you a little bit about a leadership structure that I think, I, I think you will enjoy. I think it will help you grow. I think it will help hold you and me accountable. And I think it's a great way for us to work together. Um, and so in the process of, of, of my master's with, with church life leadership, um, you know, somewhere through that material, Somebody gave us a, you know, encouraged us to join a, a constellation of of, um, of coaches or mentors, and um, basically what I did is I kind of ripped that off a little bit and and formulated this for leadership development. Um, and so what I would do is I'd ask Lloyd, I'd say, okay, Lloyd, um, you're you're the big blue circle in the middle, um, you know, what what do you hear God? saying what what are some things what are areas in your life that you that you want to grow in and he says you know i i really want to be a part of worship that's that's my 
That's my goal. So if, if that's where he's at and say, well, well what's it, what's it going to look like in three months as we move towards your goal? What's it going to look like? Um, what would be a win for you in three months concerning worship? And, and he says, I would like to be able to play for the first time a whole song on my guitar. And you're going, that's not really what I wanted to hear. Um, um, and, and that may be right where he's at, and that may be the starting point. Okay? Um, but you say, okay, okay. So what kind of a mentor does he need? If you don't play guitar, what kind of mentor does he need? Somebody who's very patient because he's never played a song in his life. <laughs> um, so, so again, what's this relationship about? It's me helping him, and I'm going to ask him to help me. Okay. So whatever that need is, it may be, I, I, I don't know how to do a budget. It may be, you know, I'm struggling with my teenage son. I don't know what that is. But um, you may be able to help him with that. There may be somebody else in the church that can help him with that. But, but what you're doing is you're trying to put him in an accountable relationship. Um, for this reason. Because it is so much safer to do ministry and to entrust leadership to people if there's tons and tons and tons of accountability. There just really is. That's important. Um, so, so you're going to help him. You're going to ask him about mentors. You're going to say, who's going to hold you accountable? And he says, there's a couple. I've got a couple buddies that will hold me accountable with this and make sure I'm practicing, and I'll practice every day. I said, okay. All right, so our game plan is we'll get you connected with, with Bobby, um, um, the guitar player, and your, your, men, your peers are going to hold you accountable. And each month we're going to stop, me and you, we're going to have a conversation about where we're at with this. Now, this is what I want you to do for me. Okay? Okay? Um, and you, you express a, a need in the church... And depending on, on your perception of his leadership ability, you may not know what his leadership ability is, is give him something small that you can give him and then take away from him if he doesn't do a good job with it. So, case in point, Easter's coming. Okay? I, 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 need, I, need, um, I need a greeter at the Easter egg hunt. Okay? You're figuring, well, let's find out how good he does. They're all, the kids are all concerned about the eggs. They're not really concerned about Lloyd staying at the door greeting them anyway. So let's just see. Let's see. Does he have any leadership ability? Can he get a team together? And can he greet the families as they're coming on the property for the Easter egg hunt? What does that look like? Um, and you walk with him and you help him. If he does a good job, then you have a, a great candidate to continue that relationship. So um, I, I think that's a simple way to begin. It certainly um, doesn't mean you have to start with somebody that, that has high leadership ability that same way. You, want to, you still want to put a good leader into accountability with you. You want them to know, hey, I need you to lead worship. Okay? But I need you, and this I say this I say this to people. It took me a long time to be able to say this to people. But I say, I need you to love me, respect me, and honor me. I need you to like me. I want you to come serve me as we serve the king together. I need that from you. 
And that, that tends to be more my leadership style. But especially in something, pastors, if you don't have a, a music gift uh, and you give a music, the, the, the worship away to somebody, you want them to be in right relationship with you. You want them to have your heart and your DNA. So um, as, as, as I would build my team, guys, um, the, the railroad is, is a real simple way to help them understand how to do a task. Okay? So let's, let's say that um, you need somebody to set up chairs in the fellowship hall for the Easter egg hunt because you're going to eat afterwards. Okay? And, and you, you need to be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, that, that railroad is a very simple thing. Okay? Um, here's a little bit of information about what you need to do. Here's the practical application. You may have to give them a map about where you want the tables to be set up, whatever. Um, there's, there's a conversation back and forth. Many times we hand people information and you don't give them an op- opportunity um, to reflect back with you and you just hand off the job and it doesn't get done the way you want it to get done and then you're upset, they're upset. Um, so, so recognizing that if you give them a little bit of information to do the task, um, you give them an opportunity to apply that information and watch them do it, um, have a little bit of reflection and say, how'd that go, Lloyd? Was that okay? It went well. You did slam dunk job on that. That's awesome. Um, and then, again, going back to the relationship here, um, you want to thank you. you. You want to make sure that one of the things you're holding him accountable in is, is, he, is he praying about where to set those chairs up at? Is he praying about worship? Is he praying about um, ministering to the kids um, in, in the Easter egg hunt? So, um, and, and I know that's a ton of information, and I sped up through it towards the end. But I want to take a break now because we're at 10 minutes left and um, just see if there's something you'd like me to further unpack or if you have a question, um, comment, or um, maybe some of those questions you say you still did not answer my question. I have more of a comment going along with what you were just talking about. About 11 years ago, I had some young people in our church that wanted to uh, learn how to play guitar. Now, I do play guitar, not much anymore, but I, I play it. So I showed them what I knew. And within six months, three of the, of, of the youth in our youth group learned how to play guitars very, very well. So I worked with them over that next year, and we put a whole youth group team together. And after 10 or 11 years, two of those uh, young men are are worship leaders in another denomination in their hometown. The other one went on to college, then became a part of the Assemblies of God, and you all know him, Jay Seidler. Um, he uh, uh, went into ministry. Um, I forgot the name of the church he's at, but now he's Chi Alpha Ministries and uh, still doing worship. And, and uh, So what I did was give them the information, and then I... I followed that to make sure they weren't going in the wrong direction. And as they learned how to play the guitars, and we learned about how to put that together in a, a church environment, and then turned them loose. And they were a little rough in the beginning. But as they practiced and continued to, uh, to do those things, and then I continued to encourage them, they became very well at the point where they were playing at other churches. 
and doing other ministry. And Jay Seidler today is just doing going big guns. And so um, a lot of us, especially pastors, don't get a chance to see uh, the fruition of some of those some of those things we started out doing. But it's what a blessing it is to see it does work. Awesome. Yes. Um, Brent, obviously a, a big part of leadership is delegating. And do you ever deal with or have you ever dealt with um, the fear of the responsibilities that you delegate that you have to your leaders that they will do a better job than you were doing with them? Or that the leaders that you put in place, people will like them better than they like you as lead pastor? The short answer is I've never struggled with that ever in my life. Um, no, I, I think it's in the back of my mind. I think, I think the overwhelming need um, to equip and develop people um, is it probably pushes me back that to take past that to take some risks. I think, I think probably on the other end is that that's, that's why this um, mentoring network is so critical is that um, I just I want to make sure that what I'm asking them to do is is a blessing to them and a blessing to the church, and um, having those ongoing relational conversations, and then especially setting them together um, with other people that will tell on them, because it's what the peers do. What do peers do? They tell on you. Um, that that kind of that kind of helps you know. Um, what, what's going on? So, um, we, you know, again, I, I guess I don't fear that I have to deal with that if that happens. Um, but I try to set the culture right off the bat: is I need you to love me and serve me. Yeah. I need you to love me and uh, and love each other because this is a team effort. Um, I don't know if any of you watching the Cavs lately. Yeah. I, I heard you know they're winning. That's really cool. Watched them last night win again, and. Um, I, I, is they're interviewing uh, even Kyrie Irving with all the changes that are made. He says, man, those are my brothers in the locker room. We're, we're, we, I love this. We're having a blast. That's what I want to see happen in church. Yes, good. Yes. Five minutes. Okay. Another question. Yes. And pray for your prayer first because God will direct you. All right. Do you ever um, make an attempt to find out, help them find out where their gifts are? And second of all, let them be aware. Okay, people are going to hesitate because, well, I can't do it. And they have to understand it's not you doing it. It's God doing it through you. Now, he will in, enable you. And he will equip you. Now, does that ever come in your quote of your conversations when you're recruiting? I think it's important when you are recruiting that they know God will equip you. He just wants you to be willing. If the gift's there, he will manifest that gift. And sometimes that gift has to, um, sometimes they have to grow. Yeah. And they may not be able to do a perfect job the very first time because they don't have that, their they got to get past that relying on themselves and get past that when they're in total reliance on God and able them to do the job he wants them to do. Yeah. Then they'll be more, they'll succeed in it. they have more victory with it. 
Yeah, so I, I guess I'm hearing two questions. Yeah, you know, what, what, when, do, when do you find out about their gifts, um, passions? How do you help them through that? That certainly can be um, in the midst of that recruiting conversation when you're talking with them. It may be um, even before that conversation. Um, I, I, I think that asking people what their passion is, what do they really want to do, um, encouraging them to say, if that's really what you want to do, what, what would it look like if I helped you? I mean, would that be okay? Could, could, could we work together on that? Could we try to help develop that gift? Uh, so, yeah, I think that's uh, certainly a part of that conversation and um, reassuring people that they can grow um, is, is a critical, critical part of that. And there are spiritual gift tests and all kinds of um, personality tests you can give people that will help you through that process. I find informally at first, though, you could probably get a pretty good idea if you're a good people reader um, just from the conversations. I mean, I have, I'm a women's coordinator of our church, run about 50, uh, 60 women every, every month. But to get them to break off to do something that God has called them to do or to do other ministries, how do you motivate them to walk in what God's called them to walk in or, or help you so I'm not burnt out doing all this stuff myself? What, what would be a high... Um, a high passion right now for you that you need help, you need somebody, you feel this is an urgency from God for the ministry, the ministry and, that, and that you need help with, what, what would that be? Is something specific? Well, I just know that you, they all have gifts. So I have one saying, we need fun. I have this one, we need Bible studies. I know this one here. So you're, they're walking all in the gifts that God has given them. I'm trying to recognize these gifts. But to actually have somebody take that area and develop it, or, you know, I, I just started, like, one or two things last year. One was, like, free babysitting for the younger kids, younger couples in the church, so that they, we can start connecting with the younger couples. So, yeah, last year, now we got that ministry going. They're starting to connect. But the spiritual end of it, you know, trying to get someone to have a small Bible study or just go out to breakfast, have a small group, so they could go to breakfast and have groups like that. You know, it's... How do you get them um, motivated to do? I, I, I think a key here is finding out what they're motivated to do. A lot of times I'll present an idea that I'm motivated that I, I would like to see done, but that doesn't necessarily mean they want to do it. There's not an urgency in their heart. And sometimes they have to create an urgency in, in them, help them to see that. But oftentimes, you know, and this, is, this sounds terrible, but... Sometimes people don't want to do what you want them to do. That's not their thing. That's your thing. That's not their thing. So I, I think it comes back to an urgency about what, what, what really is going to be in their wheelhouse. What's their passion? And um, sometimes some of these things are wonderful ideas. You sit around in a group and you talk about them. But what it really comes down to is this what we are going to die for. Um, then, then those are the types of things. I, to be honest with you, and I don't, I'm not, sometimes we try to do way too much. Sometimes we try to do way too much. And, and um, um, so, so that may be it too. People are busy with their time schedules, so you may run into that. So it's finding 
I, I think you have to motivate them around their passion, their gift, and the urgency of God. And, and if you can get three or four or five people doing that, wow, that's good. And one other thing, sometimes we try to, we, we try to build something a lot higher and more detailed in ministry than, than, is, than, is, than is necessary sometimes. If, if I'm a church of 50, I probably don't need three worship bands. But I may be gifted in that area, and, and I'm trying to build that that much. So, so um, you know, it, it, you've got to always be stepping back and looking and saying, what's the need in the church? How is this going to... And it may be babysitting for young moms. That may be an urgency right now because it's a way to tie people in. But then we've got to, we've got to be able to communicate that urgency.